Oh, but before I started, I wanted to get one thing out of the way. I know a lot of you might be distracted in the uh, message this morning, just looking up at me and thinking, what famous artist does this guy look like? Uh, so some of you have been voting for me, but got a picture there. Um, I'm in this ridiculous contest. Uh, it's a uh, Douglas Copeland, a Canadian artist, is doing a worldwide search for a lookalike of Vincent Van Gogh to make a bust of him. So I'm, I'm one of the 30 finalists for this. I tell you to go on IamVincent.com and vote, but I, this contest never seems to end, so please don't waste your time. Uh, there's a mission of Christ to do. We don't want to get distracted. But what I'm really waiting for, and there's IamVincent.com, I'm kind of waiting for IamChrisHemsworth.com. Uh, that's, that's where I think I really uh, have the chance. Uh, but, sexiest man alive, 2015, uh, one day. But uh, who, whoever, have you ever talked to someone whose hand was like that? What situation would you put your hand like that? But I guess that's what uh, sexy people do. So, uh, but maybe one day. Well, I am excited to share this morning for a couple of reasons. Um, one, Mike said, uh, it's my first time giving a sermon in church I've gone to. I've given sermons in other churches before. But it feels like a little more pressure because you go to some other church, you, they don't like you, they don't invite you back. Here, you've got to see me next week. But uh, I'm good. My identity is in Christ. I know you guys love me. And a uh, second reason I'm excited is today is actually something called Every Student Sunday. Uh, so across Canada this week, um, there's different churches that are praying for students going into the school year. It's an initiative put on by uh, the group I work with, Power to Change. That's why Cindy, my wife, is not here this morning. She's sharing for a few minutes up at the church we used to go to, getting people to pray there. Um, but it, and it's cool, the timing of it, because being asked to speak on the mission of Christ, it was at university myself where I was first challenged with encouraged to be a part of uh, the mission of Christ. And uh, so I thought to start today's message, I'd just share my story a bit in the context of both uh, inspire you to pray for students today, but also as it relates to the mission of Christ that we're talking about today. Uh, so I grew up, uh, I always wanted to be uh, like successful, influential, uh, really good at something, which uh, had a lot of conflict in my heart growing up because I was the nerd, the geek, the person that was picked on. So I was the furthest thing from being successful and influential. But I really poured my energy into uh, my drive for that into um, school. I did really well at school, so I uh, figured getting good marks, that would one day uh, allow me success and uh, influence. Uh, fast forward to university. Uh, you know how a lot of people, their story about how God impacts their life um, is sort of like why everything fell apart, and that's when I saw I needed God. Mine was the opposite. University was amazing. My first year, I had the highest marks in my whole commerce class, uh, which I went in so I could make a lot of money. I was, uh, for the first time, I was kind of popular, uh, like living in res, making lots of friends. Uh, I didn't have a girlfriend. That was the only failure. But uh, everything was going great. Uh, but God intersected my path because of other people on the mission of Christ. I was sitting in a first-year psychology class of about 350 people, and uh, some students had the guts to ask the prof's permission and stand up at the front of class right before class started and had this little survey on everyone's desk that was a spiritual interest questionnaire. Just asked a couple questions. Do you believe in God? What's your spiritual background? And then it had some slots at the bottom. I'd like to meet with someone to talk about God or join a Bible study. And so being a Christian, I had grown up hearing the gospel uh, and gone to a church, uh, and I believe Jesus was in my life. I figured God deserved at least an hour a week of my life, so I uh, checked off joining a Bible study. 
but that radically transformed my life because someone followed up with me, got me into group, to a group where for the first time I wasn't just sitting in church listening to some, something, someone was asking me questions about my own faith, challenging me to, uh, as Jesus has transformed me, to share that with others. Uh, and so that started a journey through university where I actually got excited about the mission of God. Uh, by third and fourth year, I was now leading a Bible study and being that guy that I never thought I could be standing in front of a class asking people to fill out a questionnaire, uh, engaging with people. My last year I was leading a Bible study and I had no idea what I was doing, but that year uh, all five of us in that group got to see at least one friend or a person we had met uh, come to faith in Christ. And I saw a couple uh, friends from my residence uh, come to faith. Uh, So I went in to university with a clear mission uh, just to make lots of money, make a name for myself. But God intersected my path and put me on a mission that was so much more valuable. I remember at one of those Bible studies just talking about eternal perspective. And uh, the leader mentioned now only two things last forever, God and people. Um, Or you could also say God's word. And I realized I wasn't investing my life in God or in serving people. And so that, that, those sort of things transform me. And so much so that when I graduated, uh, I'd been so impacted at university that I wanted to work full-time doing the same thing. So I left uh, my dreams of commerce and uh, whatnot aside and uh, went into full-time ministry. Now, the moral of this story is definitely not like everyone's going to drop what they're doing and go into full-time Christian work. But the bottom line was my mission had changed. Even if I'd gone into business, my mission would have been different. It would have been to serve others, to uh, use what I'd learned to make an impact on the world. Uh, But my mission was radically changed. So I want to ask you this morning, are you so caught up in your own mission, whatever that mission could be, big or small, that you haven't seen or have lost sight of God's bigger mission, the mission of Christ. University was where I was first enthralled by that mission, but I've needed many reminders since, and I'm glad for the chance to speak this morning because it was a reminder to me. So my hope this morning is that you will hear Jesus' call to be a part of his mission, trust that he will accomplish his mission, and obey by participating deeper in his mission. If you remember one sentence this morning, remember that. And so we want to look at Acts 1, 6 to 8 as our main text this morning. Now, Acts is an exciting new chapter uh, as we've gone through the Bible these last uh, 10, 12 weeks. Uh, In the series, Jesus Calling, we started out with Pastor Mike talking about how God is our Father. And uh, with creation, he loved us. He gave us this identity as his children. But we went away from that love through the fall. Uh, The rest of the Old Testament was pointing us to Christ, to this Messiah, who would one day, who would rescue us, restore God's plan for creation. We saw foreshadows of this Messiah through the patriarchs, through the law, through the priesthood, through the kings, through God sending prophets. And in the gospels, we saw the fulfillment, Jesus, God in the flesh. And then last week, we reflected on Jesus has a bride, that's us together in unity. Which brings us now to Acts, the mission of Christ. And uh, we'll get to how we see that in all of scripture, but it's really zeroed in in Acts. So again, hear Jesus' call to be part of his mission, trust he will accomplish his mission, and obey by participating deeper in his mission. I want to cover those three, hear, trust, obey. So first, hear. Do you hear Jesus' call to be a part of his mission? Let's read Acts 1, 6-8, our main passage today. Then they gathered around him. So this was post-resurrection. Jesus had shown himself many times to his disciples, one of his interactions with his 11 disciples. They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. I feel that this question, this interaction, is a bit like being on a road trip with your family. You know, when the kids are in the back, Daddy, when do we get there? Are we there yet? Um, that's kind of what uh, the disciples are asking Jesus here. I wonder if it would work to use that kind of response with your kids. Like, uh, it's not for you to know the times and seasons that your father and mother have set for you, but you will receive power to behave in the back seat and stop bugging your brother. Uh, I don't know, just not speaking from experience there, but... These were Jesus' closest disciples. They'd been with them for, for three years. Uh, Jesus was trying to give them an eternal perspective, but like us, they were still a little bit slow even after all this time. You could see from their question that they still had this idea that uh, Jesus' main goal was to restore the political kingdom of Israel, uh, get them out of Roman rule, um, bring Israel back to how, they, how it was in the time of, uh, time of David. But look at Jesus' response here. It's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set. God's mission is to fully reveal his greatness, create a new, uh, renewed world order where there's a new heaven, new earth, uh, where everything's made right, justice, peace, love, reign. Um, it wasn't their job to... Uh, they weren't in charge of bringing that, that back. Uh, their primary job was to be witnesses, to bring it through by witnessing to what Jesus had done. Uh, a witness is someone who testifies to the truth they have seen, truth they've heard, that they've experienced. And these men and other men and women had seen, heard, and touched Jesus. They knew what he was about, the Savior of the world. And Jesus wanted them to point other people, everyone, to that, uh, to who he was and to what he was about. Through their words, their lives, their jobs, their families, their everything. It was a mission about love and peace and joy, not about political power. So we see that it was a different kind of mission, but Jesus also had to remind them of the scope of the mission. It was not just Israel. It wasn't for their own, just their own people, although included that. It was for the whole world. Uh, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, the city they're in, the bigger region they're in, the whole world. I mean, we compare that today, it's like Jesus saying to us, be my witnesses in, in Toronto, in Ontario, in Canada, and to the ends of the earth. And if you look at Acts as a whole, we don't have time to go too much detail, uh, but Acts 1 to 8 actually gives you an outline for the book of Acts. Uh, chapters 2 to 7, you see the gospel spreading within Jerusalem. And then chapters 8 to 12, it goes out to Judea and Samaria. 13 to 28, it goes to ends of the known world there. And uh, some people... Uh, Acts has 28 chapters, uh, but you could kind of say Acts 29 is being written right now as the gospel for the last 2,000 years has just been spreading to every corner of the world, and we get to be a part of that. So this mission wasn't new. We see that, uh, but we see it bring into fulfillment in Acts. But I want to take a quick minute to show some highlights that show that this mission was God's intention from the beginning. Uh, so a few places through, uh, through Scripture that we see the mission of Christ. So first to Adam and Eve. Uh, right from the beginning, before the fall, uh, God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, God had given uh, first people a stewardship to take care of the world, uh, to name the animals, to treat uh, creation like God intended it to be, showing beauty and love and uh, peace between uh, man and the earth, between God and uh, God and man. 
That was God's plan right from the start. Uh, then we know uh, Adam and Eve, like all of us would have, uh, messed things up, uh, but God wasn't done. Genesis 12, 1 to 3 to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Why? Not just for Abraham's sake, but so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God had the end in mind with Abraham that you're gonna, the world's going to be blessed through you. And we know Jesus was one of Abraham's descendants, how this was ultimately fulfilled. To Moses, with the law, we often disconnect the law from uh, God's, God's mission sometimes, but Deuteronomy 4, 5 to 7, Moses is saying this, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me. Why? That you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all peop- of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Israel was meant to live a certain way so that the nations would see that this is a real God. These idols made of stone, made of metal, uh, they're nothing, but there's one true God who created the world and wants to bring everyone to him. We see David, Psalm 67, 1 to 2, may God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face shine on us. Why? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Uh, This is a good principle here to keep in mind. Uh, Yeah, God wants to bless us. He doesn't always do it financially or the ways we like, but anytime God blesses us, it's not meant to stop with us. It's not just for our own comfort. It's so that through us, the nations could be blessed. And maybe nation starts with just our neighbors, with just that one friend, uh, but we're blessed to be a blessing. And I love this verse in Isaiah 49, 6 in the uh, prophets. So this Israel, uh, is, Isaiah was um, talking to them about how they'd soon be in exile, and he tells them this, and it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So again, Israel at that time had their mind just on themselves, on their own nation, but God was trying to give them a bigger picture. Now, it's not just these passages uh, like this, uh, trying to prove that uh, God had a mission. It's even underlined the whole Bible. Christopher Wright has a compelling thesis in his book, The Mission of God. I'll just, uh, the best summary I could find was on the um, book summary. Most Christians would agree that the Bible provides a basis for mission, which kind of these verses looked at give an example of that. But Christopher Wright boldly maintains that mission is bigger than that. There's, in fact, a missional basis for the Bible. The entire Bible is generated by and is all about God's mission. Think about that. Why would God even write his message to us? It's because he wanted this message to to be spread, wanted uh, each of us to have this opportunity uh, to encounter him and be changed. So we're not just people who do missions for God, but God himself is a missionary God, and we have the immense privilege of being incorporated into and involved in the mission of God. So the disciples didn't see this at first. They didn't hear this at first. And again, are, are we like the disciples? Are you so focused on a narrow mission that may, that may be good, but you're missing a bigger mission? Maybe is your mission just to live a comfortable life and have financial security? Not bad things, uh, but if that's your mission, missing it. You may have the mission that's more noble. Maybe your scientist is trying to cure cancer. That's incredible. But even that just on its own won't 
uh, people are still going to die no matter what disease is cured. But on the other hand, what if your work as a scientist was something that people could point, uh, see up to God through, uh, see that it points to a God who's trying to restore his creation? You may have a mission even uh, to build up Trinity Life Church, and the local church is an indispensable part of God's, uh, God's mission. But the church isn't the whole of God's mission. It's one, one part. It's global. It's holistic. So whatever we do should be pointing to God and his mission. It's like C.S. Lewis puts it when he's talking about gratitude. How there's a difference of looking at a beam of sunshine and following that beam up to the sun itself. All our missions, our job, our parenting, our school, our neighbors, our giving, those should be the sunbeams that someone could trace up to the source of all good. God has a mission that all our missions should be in submission to. And this mission is to show himself as greater than anything else we could build our lives into and bring creation back to the beauty and purpose he created it for. So that's here. Do we hear Jesus' uh, mission? Next, uh, do we trust? Do you trust that Jesus will accomplish his mission? Uh, a cool story from this uh, last week. Uh, so there's this guy that uh, lives in my condo, uh, Russ. Uh, I don't know, maybe about 25, 26, cool young guy. Um, so we had, uh, in one of our just lobby interactions, he asked me what I did. I said I work for a Christian organization, talk with students about God and spiritual things. He's like, oh, that's amazing. I love talking about that stuff. Can we uh, grab coffee sometime? Uh, yeah, for sure. And I, this example of uh, how not to do it, I didn't follow up on that. I added him on Facebook, but I didn't actually follow up to meet him for about five months after that. Uh, kind of clueless. Uh, you'd think I did, didn't do this as a job or something. But uh, anyway, uh, and he's a total secular Jew, doesn't even believe in God. Um, but we met for coffee a couple weeks ago at his place. We had a, this great discussion. He kept asking me, like, oh, so what does the Bible say about that? And I basically got to share a summary of what we've been doing the last uh, 12 weeks of the message of the Bible. And, uh, and near the end of the conversation, he had to rush out. But he's like, yo, um, there's this cool movie I watched years ago called Waking Life. I don't know if anyone's seen it from 15 years ago. It's this really trippy, cartoonish, existential uh, movie that doesn't have a plot, um, but all these deep thoughts and questions. And so he's like, yeah, why don't we watch that together sometime? Be a good discussion starter. So not only does he set this up, he makes a Facebook event. He invites a bunch of his friends. So this Tuesday, uh, met at his place. It was me, uh, one of his roommates, and five other friends, uh, like this guy who's... Uh, a computer programmer, someone who's a, a lawyer, all this stuff. And uh, we come in. I, you can't plan an outreach better than this. I, ju I just showed up. He had uh, sushi and wine and all this stuff. He had uh, notes of uh, existentialist questions with a blank page at the back and pens for us to make notes through the movie. If we had questions or comments, it's like, anytime you have a pr question, just let's stop the film and discuss. If no one has one, I'll stop it every 20 minutes. Like, uh, is, this, is this really happening? And... <laughs> And so we'd have these discussions, everyone was involved, and at various times he'd be like, Archie, you're the guy who believes in God, what do you think about this? Uh, and so it was this awesome chance to uh, point these people to God, and I had almost missed this opportunity, but God was going to let these guys have a chance to hear about him one way or another. Looking back at Acts 1.8, it says you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. Guys, Jesus is going to accomplish his mission. Matthew 24, 14, in this gospel, the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Uh, think about it through the Bible. Even when 
us, when us people weren't um, willing, God still made a way to find it, make it happen. In Acts 8, uh, Jesus wanted them to go beyond Jerusalem, but the disciples were kind of staying in Jerusalem. So he allowed persecution to happen. Not his ideal, but uh, allowed persecution to happen that spread the believers out around Judea and Samaria. Think about Jonah. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. God put him in a fish to send him, send him back. Uh, the exile that we looked at a few weeks ago, uh, when, Jerusalem wa- or when Israel wasn't doing their job to make Jesus known to the nations, he had a nation come conquer them and take them to spread them out everywhere so people uh, around Babylon, Assyria, would hear about this God. Think about history. Um, people like St. Patrick, he uh, ended up spreading the message of Jesus to uh, Ireland initially because he was taken there as a slave. Uh, So God's going to do it whether we're willing or not, but what a joy to do it willingly. Even thinking of St. Patrick, after he was uh, released as a slave, went back to England, he went back willingly to take the message of Jesus uh, to Ireland. Or in Acts, Paul and Barnabas are sent out by the church joyfully in Acts 13 uh, to go to the world. So whether we're willing, unwilling, or somewhere in between, God will accomplish, accomplish his mission. And what does that tell us about God? It tells us he's in charge, that he's sovereign. And what are the implications for us? It takes the pressure off, right? Uh, this mission is huge, but it doesn't depend on us. Uh, God's uh, plan for the world isn't going to be thwarted uh, when we disobey or when we make a mistake. But he wants us to be a part of his mission willingly. That's why he commands us to be involved. That's why he wants us to trust him. Uh, Matthew 28, 18, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Catch that last part. He'll be with us to the end of the age. This is not, not a mission we have to do on our own. We can trust because Jesus promises to be with us. Why? because it's ultimately his mission anyway. So here Jesus called to be part of his mission, trust that he will accomplish it, and now lastly obey by participating deeper in his mission. So obey, are you participating further in his mission? Now now one question that comes up, there's all these tensions in the Bible, right? And I've just talked about how God's gonna accomplish his mission, whatever we do. So it's tempting to think, well, if God's gonna do that whether I do it or not, why should I even participate? Uh, Maybe we feel like uh, Jack Haley, NBA player, on his debut with the Chicago Bulls in 1988. Uh, He had this great quote when he was interviewed after the game. He said, I'll always remember it as the night Michael Jordan and I combined for 52 points. Michael Jordan had 52 points. Jack Haley had zero. Uh, But what if our involvement is a bit more like Steve Kerr? If you're an NBA fan in the 90s, like, are they uh, 90s? In 1998, the Bulls won their first championship championship. against uh, Utah, uh, oh, 97, sorry. Uh, so Jordan was double teamed uh, right near the end of the game. Steve Kerr, uh, a decent player, but not, not a superstar, uh, was open on the side. Jordan passed to him, Steve Kerr hits the winning shot. Um, God, Michael Jordan could have probably found a way to take over, but he chose to include a teammate. And if you saw a replay of the huddle before, Steve Kerr was ready. He said, Michael, you pass me the ball, I'll be ready. Uh, Steve Kerr, in sarcasm, took it a little uh, too far afterwards. Uh, when he was speaking at a big parade in Chicago afterwards, he had this to say, uh, he was describing it. We called a timeout with 25 seconds to go. We went into the huddle. Phil told Michael, Michael, I want you to take the last shot. And Michael said, 
you know, I'm not very comfortable with those sort of situations. We ought to go in a different direction. So I thought to myself, well, I've got to bail Michael out again. Uh, so that's, uh, we don't bail uh, God out. Uh, he's not desperate and he needs to use us or the plan's going to fail. But he chooses to use us. Uh, God could have spread his glory without using us, but he chooses to let his children play an essential part in his plan. Now, it's not a bad thing to question and debate how God's sovereignty and our choices work together, but it shouldn't paralyze us. Sometimes we just need to step back and marvel that however God works it out behind the scenes, uh, we get to play a part in this mission uh, that he set of showing the world how great he is and bringing things back to how they should be. How amazing is that? So how can... How can you, how can I be a part of Jesus' mission? Let's close by being practical here. What are some next steps for you? It might be, might be more hearing, might be more trusting, might be more obeying. So hearing, um, maybe you're not convinced that Jesus uh, has a mission or that it's worthwhile. Take time to read scripture, see Jesus for who he is, and see his plan to spread his glory among the nations and in our city. If you're looking for something to read more specifically on this topic, three books I'd recommend. I, I didn't put these on the slides, so if you want to get, come talk to me later, or Pastor Mike would know these ones too. But Mission of God by Christopher Wright that I quoted earlier. That's a long one, but really good. Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. Talks about the need to take the gospel to every corner of the earth. Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman shows uh, how Jesus had this bigger plan in everything he did in the gospels. So here, if you need to, hear more of Jesus' mission or maybe your next step is related more to trusting. Maybe you feel that you're trying to contribute to Jesus' mission, but it just feels futile sometimes. I know after 20 years of full-time ministry, sometimes I wonder, does it matter what I say? Does it matter when I step onto campus? But what can you do to fuel or rekindle your trust in Jesus and his mission? Take time to meditate on his promises, that, like the promise in Matthew 28 that he'll be with us always. Or read a biography of someone who's been a part of Jesus' mission for the long haul and see how they've persevered. A great one, one of my favorites, Adoniram Judson. He was the first overseas mission, a missionary from the States. He went to what's now Myanmar. And uh, he labored, it was six years before he saw someone indicate a decision to follow Jesus, of ministering there. He lost his first wife. He lost five children. Uh, he suffered two years with intense depression, so much so that he, asked, uh, he tried to burn everything he'd ever written. Uh, he went through dark times. It seemed like God wasn't working. But now, even though Myanmar is this uh, closed country to the gospel, there's like six, seven percent of people there who believe in and follow Jesus, strong local church, um, and the Bible they use 130 years later is still the one that he translated into, uh, into Burmese. So do things, read things, talk to each other, ways they'll fuel your, uh, your passion and trust in Jesus. Or your next step might be obeying. Maybe you simply need to do something for the kingdom. Let me give three tips here on practical application. So your involvement in God's kingdom uh, it should be integrated, it should be in words, and it should be in community. So integrated. Evangelism, uh, spreading God's kingdom, isn't meant to be just a one-hour-a-week thing or uh, when we have a serve Sunday. It's meant to be every part of our lives. It's showing the beauty and priority of Jesus in all we do, how we live with our neighbors, how we act as a family member, how you spend your time. Uh, I even think of uh, with Russ, I shared that story earlier, the guy in my building. Uh, it's interesting that we had this, we've 
developed this cool relationship because how we first met was quite awkward. One of my huge pet peeves living in a condo is the underground parking um, when people speed like crazy because I've got kids that could just walk behind a pole. So he was in his BMW one time going the wrong way on a one-way lane going like 40 kilometers an hour underground. And so I like ran up to him and I was all heated. But I remember in that moment, God kind of convicted me like, be gracious in how you talk to him. So I said, hey, can you drive slower? I've got kids. And to his credit, he was very teachable. He's like, oh, sorry, I never thought of that. Um, and, but we actually got to know each other through that. So you never know, even in those moments when you're confronting someone, God might be using that as a first step towards building a relationship, towards pointing someone towards God. Your job, uh, your your mission, the mission of Christ should be integrated into your work, into what you do. You know, if you have qu- questions about that, Steve DeKuyper is a guy who takes a lot of time thinking about uh, your vocation and, and Christ's mission. Talk to him or, or others in our church about that. So first, it should be integrated. Second, it should be in words. Uh, we all know the harm that comes when someone has spoke up for Christ but doesn't have the life to match. We call that hypocrisy. I think there's actually another more subtle type of hypocrisy we don't think about. That's when we say what we're doing is glorifying God, but we never verbally give God the credit. I once had a neighbor who we do a Christmas party most years on our floor, and uh, I'd said hi to him in the hall, whatnot. He came over to our place for this uh, party, and uh, as we were talking, well, where are you from? I said, I'm from Saskatchewan. He's like, oh, that's why you're so nice. What I thought was God giving the credit was the province of Saskatchewan. If we don't speak up about God being the source, people won't know that he's the one. Christopher Wright in his book talks about the ultimacy of evangelism. It's not always the first thing we need to do, but everyone needs to hear the gospel, to have their life transformed and be brought back into the kingdom of God and into the family of God. So integrated in words and last in community. This mission is hard. If you try to fulfill Christ's mission on your own, my guess is you won't last long. And we're blessed here. We have a missional community that we can be a part of, Trinity Life Church. We don't claim to be the only one or the best one in Toronto, but we're serious about having an impact on the city and the world, showing Jesus love. Uh, Every week we get to come together, uh, but also Monday through Saturday, building each other up. We partner with organizations that are doing good work in the city. And today is cool because of Serve Sunday. I hope you guys stick around, even if you have other plans, I hope you can change it, where we can spend a couple hours in St. Jamestown fulfilling the mission of Christ in a small way. So to close, let me remind you again, we need to hear Jesus' call to be part of his mission, trust that he will accomplish it, and obey by getting deeper invested in it. What mission could be more important? Uh, The biggest tragedy in life isn't not meeting your goals. It's having a goal, but accomplishing it and realizing it didn't really matter or it wasn't ultimate. Uh, Let's either put aside or put under submission to Christ all our little missions we have in our lives under the mission of Christ and see what he does.